This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Hi everyone, it's uh, Dennis and Jay, and we're here with the next episode of Best of the Rest. How are you this evening, Jay? Doing well, and this is episode two, which is significant because, as you know... Dennis, uh, the Las Vegas odds makers set the over under for how long we would last at one and a half episodes. So, well, I will say there has been a, a big <laughs> gap between episode one and episode two, just because of some uh, external factors. But you know what? We got through those, and we're ready here to, to actually start yeah. our, our our discussion on indie comics. Yeah, I hate it when you know life interferes with comic books. It just sucks. You know? I know it. Life should be comic books. Agreed. Absolutely agree. All right. So tonight, you know, kicking off, you know, we had our inaugural um, episode where we kind of talked to how we defined indie comics, and we've gotten some feedback on that. Um, we kind of said that we weren't going to do Image and some of the others, but we've actually got some requests to do some Image. We're not going to address that probably tonight, but we'll take it under consideration. Yes. I'm not going to mention any names, Jack. So... Uh. <laughs> All right. So tonight we will be discussing... Black Summer and No Hero, uh, they were both published by Avatar Press back in 2008 and 2009, and they're both by Warren Ellis with art by Juan Jose Ripe. Um, I have to thank, thank the folks over at uh, VCR, uh, one of the Valiant podcasts, for enlightening me on how to correctly pronounce his last name. Yeah. Um, this is a time probably eight years ago uh, before he was well known. So uh, it's kind of interesting to see his art style, uh, how it is in these books compared to now. But we're going to be talking about his style from nine years ago. Correct. So, um, so Jay, you want to kind of give us a, a quick – we're going to start with Black Summer. That was the one that came out first. Now, uh, to clarify, these books – I don't know. I don't know if they would be in the same universe or not, but they kind of had the same themes. What do you think, Jay? I wouldn't call them the same universe. Uh, there's, you know, I, there's. I didn't see anything that tied one to the other, or, or no Easter eggs or anything like that that would lead me to believe that they're uh, in the same universe. No, but I think they have similar themes. Absolutely. Um, so you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, you know, you've got the, uh, you've got the administration of George W, no, eight, uh, yeah, George W. Bush. Um, the U.S. has been in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan for probably, uh, seven years in one and six years in the other. Um, and so you've got an election coming up and you kind of see some of the themes and things popping into that. Now we're going to try not to be political in all this. But now you've got a, you know, you kind of, both of these series have British views on probably the U.S. political system. What would you say, Jay? I agree. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're not overtly political, but yeah, it, it underlies both of the stories. So they've got some themes to them, definitely. So, um, Hey, why don't you tell us a little bit about Black Summer, kind of set it up for us. Okay. Black Summer, central to this is a group of superheroes that call themselves, I think it was the Six Guns or the Seven Guns. 
um, a group of average people that you know, constructed themselves, you know, into superheroes through various means of technology and uh, enhancements. You know, in fact, I even think they referred to themselves as enhancels at one point in there. Yeah, that was that was a, a part we can get into it. I think it was the Seven Guns, and um, they were given guns to to make them to give them abilities and I, I or to make them more than mortal. But then they, you're right, they enhanced themselves in addition to. So it was kind of confusing about what did the government do and what did they do to themselves. Right. You know, you had one character who a female who was a speedster. Very much in the same vein as the Flash. Uh, then you had uh, Tom Noir, who's kind of the tragic character uh, that starts us out. And he actually has a, a physical gun. Not all of them, their guns, quote unquote, guns don't necessarily manifest themselves in a physical weapon like we see. Um, but yeah, so they're all. Um, you know, enhanced, and they've, they've worked with some government person. Um, well, he wasn't with the government at first. Well, that's true. So they were, they were. I think they were set up to be um, outside the government, right? And, and you know, and that be, that becomes a theme. Um, so what? What do you? I mean, it's they're true vigilantes, but. Um, vigilantes and it's like I mean they take the law into their own hand right but they also did it at least to their way of thinking they thought they were fighting against uh, you know government oppression uh, and you know things that keep people from exercising their their own personal freedoms so to their way of thinking you know they're, they're doing a service uh, fighting against corruption and things that the government shouldn't be doing but in the end run, yeah, they're just pure vigilantes, like a lot of other characters in other comics. You know, Batman being the prime example of a vigilante. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm reading the back. So, so both these series, and we're starting off with Black Summer, start off with like issue zero. Right. So they go issue zero through seven, and it's kind of divide. It's kind of described as like the seven guns who are politically politically aware young scientist adventurers who created strange new technological abilities for themselves and who put on masks and helmets and took to the streets to fight a corrupt police force right. and criminal private security firms in their city. So, you know, they concentrated on their city, um, cleaning up the corrupt um, police and doing and private security firms. And they didn't kind of like venture out of that. They were kind of doing their city and, uh, you know, they had a mentor that gave them their guns. Uh, Frank Blacksmith was his yes, name. and and he gave them their guns. But then, like we were talking about earlier, then the guns made them more than than the police and everything. Also, but then they took it upon themselves to expand themselves. And it's like I think like three or four of them actually incorporated their guns into their you know persona, and there were another two or three that didn't. And you'll see that the main antagonist protagonist john horace you, you he never he never does a gun but he went and he created a bunch of uh remote control eyes that he can right. control mentally that have powers and things and he never uses it's almost like he he 
he incorporated his gun into these eyes. Yes. And, and he was the only one that did not let his how he did his technology be known by their mentor blacksmith the rest of them kind of did um one of them the speedster you know she i forget exactly how she did it to herself but i know that the the individual the the one character where she flies she implanted these uh, magnets or other sort or of electromagnetical yeah, electromagnetic yeah. into her legs right. and into her body to create her to fly so they each experimented on themselves in addition to the guns to give themselves additional powers right so we've we've, we've kind of get the background. So n- this series, none of this series is about about this. So this is the the flashbacks and the stories you get um, as you go through the story. But what 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 kind of kicks off the whole theme to this? The kick what kicks it off is that the character John Horace, and you mentioned his you know these remote control eyes. His name Horace is actually taken from it's an ancient Egyptian deity one of the ancient Egyptian gods whose the symbol for him was the all seeing eye. So it, his name ties into, you know, mythological. It starts out with him. Uh, John Horace goes in and in the very first issue, he assassinates the president, most of the cabinet, uh, several uh, secret service agents that tried to intervene. <laughs> and then he walks into a press conference, literally, Bloodstained head to foot, and announces what he's done to the to the press corps. Yep, and next week we're going to have free elections. Yes, and, and even makes the point that it's going to be pencil and paper. So he, he's taking a jab at the uh, you know the hanging Chad voting controversies mm-hmm. of some of the of the President Bush. Elections. Exactly. So all this is going on, and then the other perspective is John Noir, who uh, several years earlier. Uh, in a in a car bombing, lost his leg and apparently his ability to access his his gun. So he's just a drunk, uh, destitute, living in a filthy apartment, just just trying to almost drink himself to death because wow. his love of his life died. Who was also one of the seven guns had died in the uh, the ex- car explosion. So you kind of see him watching all this and, you know, he's drinking his, his fifth of Jack Daniels straight from the bottle uh, and he, he's seeing all this and he can't believe it. And then he hears a knock at his door and, and also during this time, I don't know if it's revealed yet or not, but, uh, but he goes to answer the door and it's, and it's Frank Blanksmith who he thinks had died several years ago saying hi. And that's how issue zero ends. So you've got the president's been assassinated. You've got this dysfunctional band, apparently, of vigilantes enhanced that ha- nobody else has. And supposedly the guy that's given them the technology to be enhanced, who's been dead, is actually just showed up at the door. And, and now he's, and he also reveals he's now a government operative. Exactly. So, so, so kind of, that's kind of the setup. So I remember back when this came out, I mean, and, and at the time I was a big, um, I hadn't ventured too much into indie stuff. I'd kind of done some um, some Vertigo stuff, uh, some Dark Horse and things. So this this is one of my first forays outside of the big ones into Avatar. I think this is probably one of my first Avatar series, and it kind of brought me in with Warren Ellis. What you what you kind of think of think of it, or what brought you into reading the Black Summer? Uh, I came to it 
from other things that I've read by Warren Ellis. Um, you know, I'd read some of his other works, some of some of his mainstream or big two work, and I really liked him as a writer. So I just I saw this and I was like, oh, Ellis, I got yeah, I got to try that. It's kind of like the way I am with other, like a Greg Rucka. You know, I'll, I'll try anything by Greg Rucka just because I respect him as a writer. Uh, and that's the same way I with Ellis. I mean, I consider, I consider Ellis one of the five or six writers today that I really, you know, pretty much anything they write, I'm, I'm willing to read. Okay. All right. So, you know, um, I don't know if we really want to spoil it or not, but you know we'll we'll see where it takes us and everything. So the rest of the series kind of deals with these repercussions. So you know one of the you know these vigilantes they've just killed the president. So as you can expect, you've got the military's now involved in trying to take them out because they don't know what the other six are. Well, I say the other six, the other five. So one of them was killed several years ago. One of them's kind of out of commission, and they they say he can't access his 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 gun or his technology. Um, you find out that John Noir's power uh, is kind of to, to get into the the internet. So it was kind of um, you know hinting at kind of what we're seeing today, where you have the individuals or the companies that can kind of get into the networks and spy on everybody and get all the information and figure things out. So that was kind of John Noir's power. So you you you, you find out that's what his is, but then it's like okay, now the government's after the remaining five because they don't know what they're going to do. Uh, the the other five are kind of like, or the other four, because John Noir is off by himself. They're kind of like, we're just going to sit back and not do anything. We didn't have anything to do with this. Uh, leave us alone. And, you know, that kind of fails kind of rapidly because, you know what, the government's not going to, it's not going to take that uh, lying down. And what you kind of find out is that Blacksmith, he, he faked his death and is working for the government and he's built the next generation of guns. And you know what? They got to take out the old ones now. So right. now you get the next uh, seven issues are dealing with this conflict. And it's like all the guns are wanting to do is protect their city, but now the military's in there. Um, the, you know, the police force is coming in. Uh, and they're trying not uh, to retaliate, but their hand is kind of forced. And it, it, it's just all the ramifications of, you know, they're trying to do the right thing, but, you know, they're vigilante past their vigilante status you know it's kind of showing how the government and maybe in real life how the government and the news media would attack and break and and just break down uh superheroes yeah and then we see uh, there's conflict within the the remaining five as to what to do you know a couple of them are, are sort of like well we don't necessarily agree with what horace did but we're a team we've got to support each other then dominic uh, another member of the team he is like completely said no we got to turn ourselves in no questions we got to show that we're not a part of this we don't support what he did we got to turn ourselves in and so there's a lot of conflict over that about what what to do while and they go to one of their safe houses to try to to talk this out and then but they they tom noir keeps kind of acting on his own in convoluting the, the way they're you know the, the plot and what they're trying to do so that, that's a large part of what you know the rest of the story is, is how you know where do you draw the line and what, what how do you react to this and what are these people are going to do because they're definitely being chased uh by 
blacksmith and his government agent, and the, and the military is called in on this. And yeah, well, you get in a situation where they go, well, we're not going to fire first, and then you know the military fires on them, so they have to kind of retaliate to protect themselves or the civilians, and then you see where the news media kind of shows them attacking. So then you start to get yeah. to be seeing how uh, the media is being manipulated to kind of do whatever presents this side of the story. Um, how the military is being told one thing and acting acting on it when in reality something's different. So you start seeing how these shadow government uh, agencies or these groups are, you know, just kind of goading these different aspects of society to present the picture they want to be presented. And it just keeps it keeps just spiraling downward. And you know, this is not going to end well. I mean, if it, it, it's pretty clear about about halfway through the series that, you know, this, this is not going to end happily. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you see a dysfunctional group trying to do what they think is right. Um, just every effort they, they make is just, you know, it just, I mean, it just goes to hell in a handbasket just like quickly every time they, they try to, they try to do the right thing. What they think is the right thing. And this gets turned into a upon itself by the media or the, or the government and everything. And then you got, you know, right. and you, you got the whole context of like, one of them was just assassinated the president and you know, the, you know, how many of the next in line. So the, you know, the, the public's in a hist- you know, is hysteria. Uh, what do we do? And then it's you know, probably about midway through the series, you know, Horace kind of finally figures out like the others are in trouble. I need to kind of go help them, but they don't want his help because how he's associated now. So now you've got the, even more of the conflict between them of how they're trying to show themselves not like him, but he's trying to help them and the government's trying to get them and the media is portraying them the same. Yeah. And like Andy just kind of escalates out and I probably, you know, I wasn't going to discuss, I don't think we want to discuss the ending or how it ends, but it just, it goes, yeah, it just gets worse and worse. That's the central plot is, you know, how are these, superheroes they're they're now in an impossible situation they don't know what to do they don't agree on exactly what to do but they don't have time to really adapt or make any changes because it just you know it gets it gets worse well everything's happening so fast to them they don't even have a chance to think right so it's it's kind of given real world reactions to the situations it's like you don't you you know you don't have backup plan a plan b you don't have a plan c d e and f i mean they're i mean they're none of them are batman so right <laughs> they're just they're just <laughs> reacting and and it's it, and it's very it's 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 an interesting take on how individuals with this technology and these powers uh and this knowledge kind of react to the situation and how it kind of evolves and, right. and, and by the way I, i'm i'm keeping count here that's two batman references in an indie comics podcast so i like it i'm not i'm not uh, complaining yeah, i'm just but, you know <laughs> you know sometimes batman's the man you know yeah, absolutely, some, absolutely. Some people feel that Batman is not truly Batman right now, so. <laughs> I, I can't imagine who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got to build them up whenever we can. Yeah, we don't want to kind of give out the ending because it, uh, I think it's pretty good. This podcast is not about kind of detailing the whole story and all that. We kind of want to set it up and bring out uh, some things we find interesting in series and books that we, you know, we hope you could go out and enjoy. And, you know, given that these are independents, uh, they can take a little bit, little, little bit more liberty with how they twist the ending than recurring characters that have been in existence for fifty years, and they gotta kind of keep the status quo. I, I, it's a very good read. 
it may have and i know we kind of talked about some of the political statements i don't think it's overtly political uh it's, it's just an interesting take on uh how i think vigilantes would or individuals would enhance themselves with technology so there's no there you right. know uh, I went to the movies this weekend, so there's no radioactive spiders that bit anybody. Um, there's no aliens. Um, everything's technology-driven, so there's actually some physics behind, some technology behind all their powers. They kind of make sense of where it's like it's almost realistic to where you could – yeah, I could see where somebody could do that to themselves. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, a, a lot of the difference. And we'll see the same thing, and we'll see it in No Hero is the same situation, is that these are people who – you know, unlike being bitten by a spider or doused in chemicals, these people didn't accidentally become this. They they deliberately made this choice. That this is what we're going to become and, and what we're going to do. And that's a you know that's a pretty heady decision to make. And you know, there's there's, there's consequences well, to it's, it. And that's what I we're mean. Saying. It's it's a it's a variation on the trope of um, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. They had yeah. good intentions. All along, hey, we're going to give ourselves these powers. We're going to improve our city. Uh, we've got a corrupt police force. We need to we need to make it so that we're more powerful than them, so we can get them out of here. And then, you know, we're going to kind of try to fade into the background. You know, once 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 we get rid of the corruption, we're going to fade into the background and let the good people take over. And you you know, when there's a vacuum of power, what comes in? And you know, when when if you're kind of on a local level level. If you've shown some kind of power that can be corrupted by, I don't want to get into saying the government corrupts it. I don't want to say that, but you know the the industrial military complex sees something that can be weaponized to a greater context. You know they're going to take it and 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 try to you know corrupt it. And it's it, you know it's kind of right. the themes on that, but it makes it more realistic. I mean, it is a comic book, and it and it is people experimenting on themselves, but it is technology based and you can you can yes. kind of see some of that especially with some of the technology technological advances that we're, you're kind of seeing out there right now exactly and yeah i think you're right it's warren ellis does put his political views in there but it's not it's not a diatribe or some political track that he's a manifesto that he's trying to put out there he doesn't do it overtly or you know push it down your throat so uh, I, I wouldn't let that for anybody who's not read it or contemplate, I wouldn't let the political stuff deter you from reading because it's not it's not going to be over. I, I, I mean, I guess what we could say is it's you know in the theme of Watchmen, it's a de it's a different deconstruction of this of the superhero or or yeah. as the the science adventurer. I kind of like I, you know I kind of put these these guys like the uh, more like the Fantastic Four. They're they're not superheroes. They're scientists that through their own abilities or their own explorations gave themselves abilities beyond normal humans. So they're science adventurers. Right. You know, it's kind of a throwback to the the, the sixty the fifties and the sixties. Yeah, that's good terminology. So you know, this one ends. It's got its own own theme and all that and how it ends. So then immediately after uh, both Ellis and Reap finished their Black Summer. They delved into No Hero. How, how did you feel the origin story of the... Oh, what was the group called uh, in No Hero, Jay? Well, it changed over time. Originally, they were called the Levelers. Then they called themselves the Frontline. The first issue of this one kind of skips through time. They start out in the... The opening scene is in the 60s in San Francisco. 
uh, and there's a panel there where they're standing. They call the kind of their first press conference, and they're standing there at the corner of Hate and Ashbury, and you see them standing there under the street sign, which I've been on that street corner, so I know exactly where that that is. And this is a group they're doing the same thing. Only they're this group is making more of a social consciousness. Uh, you know, the the first time they appear, they break up essentially where the San Francisco police are beating these protesters up, you know, just taking advantage and, you know, unfairly pounding these protesters. And they come in and, and you know, beat the, beat the hell out of the police. They also have a leader who's, he's more overt than uh, Blacksmith was. His, his name is Carrick Masterson. And what is different about this, as far as how these people get these powers, they, in Black Summer, each one kind of had their own separate different technologies. Uh, Carrick Masterson has developed this drug he call, called FX7 that he's adapted from a combination of psych, psychedelic drugs. That and he tweaks it. He can change the chemical compounding a little bit for each individual, so that it affects each person separately. But you know, the, these groups they take this drug. And they undergo this horrific, extremely painful, extremely disturbing metamorphosis into the, you know, whatever they're becoming. In Black Summer, it's all technology-derived. And then you get to know Hero, and it's, it's all drug-derived. So you, so you almost got – so the first group is – it's, it's yeah, almost exclusionary. You know, you've got to have, have a genius-level intellect to be able to experiment on yourself and – you're self-determining yourself and then you get to know hero and it's like well anybody can take this drug and if you come out on the other side okay then you know you're part of this group this this you know another vigilante superhero group um and the creator of the drug is kind of got a screening process and he picks who it is but any any person can take the drug and if you've got the mental fortitude to get through the experience you can you can be, you know, a superhero, right? And you made a good point uh, when you said if you come out on the other side, uh, yeah, it's no survival uh, is not guaranteed. Taking this drug and um, uh, survival I is not guaranteed. How they talk about how it works is is it breaks down to your worst fears, and you have to go through that and experience that. And if you can get through that, then what you experience actually gives you the powers uh, moving forward that you're going to have. Uh, so it's, 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 um, it's a custom right. cocktail to each exactly. individual. And I mean, that's one of the things about, I mean, some of the stuff you see that happens during this guy's, the, the, the main protagonist trial, it has to be in an indie comic and, and, and yes. not saying it's, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's, it's gory Absolutely. or, um, well, I mean, I mean, it, it's gory. Uh, I'll say I mean, it. But that's it's gory. You know, that's ripe. <laughs> or, rip, or reap for you. Reap for you. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's based on your experiences and your personality. Um, and if we, you know, if we keep kind of talking about that, we kind of give. You know, I'll, I'll say this is one of the the no hero. The twist at the end, or would you call it a, the reveal at the end, is one of the most 
Um, oh, I did not see that coming reveals that I've, I've, I've had in comics, wouldn't you say? So I, we're definitely not going to spoil that for you uh, because yeah, you, I you, need, you don't get the full impact of the comic or the story until you, you get to it. But it's it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. So yeah. uh, Masterson, he controls this drug. He's been doing it since the 60s. And in, in this in this universe, he actually, the governments of the world are actively working against him. So you see where past individuals right. on the team have been captured by the Chinese. They've been captured by the Russians. They've been captured by the U.S. And they've been dissected or experimented on to kind of figure out because they want to they yeah. figure out this drug. Exactly, yeah. And, and I think there's one point where he talks about where I think Mastin has caught or, you know, found other people trying to do make variations of this drug and he stops and, them. And, uh, he, he wants nobody but himself. You know, what's interesting is, so you, you, they're also try, they're trying to copy it, but then they're, they're also um, developing countermeasures. So I think the Chinese make some kind of form of napalm to kind of take them out. Um, you'll, you'll notice in, in, in the first, when you first see them, they're in gas masks. And as you, as you yeah. see the, the current iteration there in the, in the two thousands, they're in full, like uh, environmental suits isolated because uh, they've learned like the, you know, the, the world's governments have developed these other things to attack them. So they're, they're trying to isolate themselves from the environment. So each, you know, each iteration of the team is getting suits and other apparatus to counter uh, the defenses that the other world governments have have developed against them. And, and it's kind of interesting dichotomy because they're, they're, they seem to be operating freely in the U S but you know, the U S is trying to, to develop stuff to counter them. You've got China and Russia trying to counter them. So are they, are they heroes? Are they, are they not? Are they openly, are they villains? This working openly? It's not really clear. Uh, we don't see like one of the things that, that he, that, Ellis used a lot in Black Summer was news reports. And you see that, I think, one time in No Hero. But other than that, you know, we really don't say a lot of what, you know, public opinion or people outside of this group. Uh, you know, all we know is that they're after these people. And they're, I mean, it's, they're, it's, it's they're almost like a war between these, them uh, and, enhanced superheroes. you know, the world governments. I mean, they're actively, yeah. I mean, it's a hot war, too. It's not like they're trying to keep it out of the public. I mean, well, I, I say they're not trying to keep it out of the public eye, but it's it's not like they're, you know, they're blowing up buildings, they're setting traps, um, and, I mean, there's there's uh, collateral damage and things. So it, it's it's open warfare, but it's not, but they have a, a, a mansion where they stay at. Everybody, know, you know, it's out in the open. It's not like a secret mansion or anything. Um, so they know where each other is. It's it's almost like a gentleman's war, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it, because it kind of gets so, steadily uh, less. You know, gentleman. another interesting <laughs> aspect I found. I, I, I um, did you read the individual issues or did you do the trade paperback, Jack? I've got the trade. Okay. Um, I, 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 I don't want to give it away. I bought those back in the day, and I've lost. I bought the individual copies, and and at this time, you know, you know, they had variants then, and they were doing the. Uh, 
and they were doing the rap covers and i like to get the rap covers because you like the art around them and all that but the covers kind of show the protagonist going through um you know going through the process and different aspects of the story uh but the key is you know what's interesting are is the covers show the protagonist in a in a different path than what the story takes and i, I kind of thought that was interesting i may have seen that because i think they, they included and, some of the cover work in this trade yeah uh, but uh i mean just okay so we can talk about the protagonist so you know uh, masterson's created this team and now we're kind of in the mid to late 2000s and the story starts with uh, you see one of the current members meeting some po- police officers and they go into this building and one of the members of the team is missing and they go in and they find him and he's been kind of dissected, but he's still alive. And they kind of walk up and you, you kind of hear a beep and the guy goes, oh, motion detector. And the next right. thing you see, you see the entire building is blowing up. So two members of the team have just died. So they basically have an opening. And then you kind of come into this individual... Right who is your typical, what you would see, self-made Olympic athlete type vigilante. So he's, 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 he's trained himself. He's gone out and learned all these techniques, self-taught, and he's, he's just kind of going out with his wits and his strength and his skills he's developed, and he's trying to fight crime. And you find out he's trying to get the attention of Masterson to become a member of the team. And he... And he's successful. Right. Yeah, he's definitely trying to get... So that's where the context, I think, by issue... Yep. I think issue one, you kind of get introduced to him. Issue issue zero is when you see the team die and you kind of get some... Or you see some background from the 60s. And then at the end of it's when you see the two team members die. So then issue one is when you kind of see the current uh, date, the protagonist... You know, you kind of get some of his background. He's training. He wants to get noticed. And you see him go out and kind of do his first. Do you think of it, is it his first uh, breakup of criminal activity or has he been doing it for a while? He ends up doing his first kill. Yeah. I think he's been doing this for a while, but this is the first time. Yeah, he's actually, somebody's died from what he's done. It's funny because he, uh, Master notices him and then he takes him to this long stretch limo that he couldn't see before, but it was there. And, you know, in Masterson's interview, there's this enhanced. other uh, female in there. Uh, and, you know, Josh, yeah, who's very cynical. You know, she's, uh, and she's very suspicious of this new character, Josh. She doesn't think they're giving him enough time to evaluate, or Masterson's taking enough time to evaluate his, you know, mental and uh, emotional state for this. So she's very much against it. And there's one humorous part because he's in there and Josh is bemoaning the fact that, oh my God, I just killed a person. And she's like, you jackass, you jumped on a guy from three stories up and you didn't expect him to die. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was a funny statement. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll I mean with- yeah, you kind of see that and and that's kind of like, I guess, a jab at current uh, Capes and Cows comics where you see this, you see people do that and it's like, and then... They get up and they start yeah. fighting, fighting, and they'll they'll be punching each other and hitting each other with bricks, and they just keep on going. Where in real life, if that happened, you'd kind of be have, you'd have like blood flowing all over the place and a cracked skull or a broken neck, and you know, I guess you know, I guess a good comic book, you know, 
fight. You know, <laughs> exactly. Needs to last more than one panel. It's like the old, uh, you know, hardball detective serials from the 40s where guys are fighting and they're going to, and their hats never fall off. You know, they're always wearing fedoras and the hat never exactly. falls off. No matter how so, hard yeah, they get that was pretty funny. It's like, what? How far they go for him? hat always stays He jumped on him from three stories up. What did you expect to happen? <laughs> and and it is interesting. So you kind of get this dichotomy exactly. that Masterson, he's like impatient to get his ranks back up the full strength. And I don't know if she's, she's his right-hand, you know, woman or anything, but she's the whole time she's like, he's not ready. He's not ready. He's not ready. And he's just damned and determined to fill the ranks. So, you know, so they, so, and, and, and they fly to the mansion. I think by issue, I think issue, so you spend issue one, him doing that and finally meeting Masterson. Issue two is basically a long conversation in the limo and then they get to the private jet. And so you just have this, you know, issue two is just this exposition between the two of them about, well, do you really want this? This is what happens, you know, and, you know, you can't go back. And so you're starting to get the, you're damned if you, you know, are you, are you willing to give up your, basically your soul maybe to do this? Do you really want to be a super? And I think that's the tagline. How bad do you want to be a superhero? Or actually, like how much do you want to be a superhero? So issue Two right. is the conversation right. about like how bad do you want it, and I think by the end of issue two they land, and then issue three exactly. is they go into the mansion and they finally get to the point where, you know, he's got to make the decision: do I want to take the drug or not? It's a big decision because this is a guy. Like I said he's trained himself like an Olympic athlete. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do any drugs. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't put any, you know, toxic thing in his body. And now he's getting ready to take this drug, which is enhanced cocktail of psychedelic drugs psychedelic and, drugs so it's almost like they're you know the drug comes in and it and it forces the brain or it, it stresses the brain such that it manifests whatever powers are are late are latent in the individual and so you know in that way ellis is sitting there saying hey anybody anybody can be a superhero but you're going to be kind of influenced by um how you know you nurture and nature you know your genes and then how you were raised you know these drugs are going to bring it out and how however those all that combined together is going to give you the powers and the mentality going forward and so i think in in i I mean i don't think it's too much of a spoiler you know he you know he's been training for this so he finally decides to take the drug so at the end of the issue he takes the drug and then you get into the right the you start into the realm of what it does to you and i think ellis spends the next the entirety of the next issue and maybe in, halfway into the the fifth issue of what this drug does to you yeah you, you see what it does to this character and Josh. it is it's kind of it it's wild ass you have <laughs> really... once you get to the end of it you get a different perspective on it from what you are when you first read through it um, and again, we don't want to give away uh, the twist right. at the end. Uh, but once you get to that, everything makes sense. And trust me, there is some stuff going on in this issue and a half mm-hmm. that you're like, what the hell? I mean, I mean, and, 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 and it fits perfectly with Reap's style, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. 
Uh, if you want something, if you want, there's a there was a painter from back in the uh, Renaissance area, German painter called Hieronymus Bosch. Uh, if you've ever seen any of his paintings, that's what a lot of Reap's style. Tate's Inferno. Me of. Is that kind of is that is it kind of you you want to is reminiscent of his style? Yeah, he yeah Bosch did a lot of depictions of hell and you know all these demons and such and um, so yeah uh, that's kind of what I think no, I've seen. You don't some think of that's currently in his like current Valiant stuff, do you? As we get totally off topic for a brief moment, not so much. Other than uh, Orcus. I don't know. There's that bizarre creature that was in Britannia, the first. Oh, I don't. I don't think Orcus was anywhere near some of this. <laughs> but no, this is. Well, no, it's not as gory and graphic, but it is. It's it's pretty bizarre looking. Reed loves to draw eyeballs, and uh, <laughs> so he has he has all kinds of creatures with multi yeah, well, eyeballs. I, you know, and I mean to digress a little bit. I think his style really really fits both uh, books. I'm 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 a I'm a Reap fan. I I mean that was one of the things that drew yeah. me to these two series and it's it's kind of like some of his valiant work that I that I really like. I I need to look and see. I don't know what he's he did between this and the valiant stuff. I think um uh, yeah, I know his style isn't for everybody. I haven't kept up with him much. It's his style I, I give him absolutely good credit for being a brilliant artist. He is absolutely talented, you know, extremely talented. It's not a style that appeals to me, and part of it, and it wasn't so much a No Hero, but more in Black Summer, there are some panels that are so damned intricate, and there's so much going on, you cannot figure out what the hell's happening. I mean, you, I sit there well, and look I mean, at Is it things. too much detail, or is it that it's not the right detail? For me, I think it's both. Because it's not just too much detail. I know this, I kind of digress. Reap is from Spain. He's Spanish. And I know for a fact that uh, this is a common characteristic of European cartoonists and illustrators. They do highly, highly detailed stuff. And another one of my favorite, one of my favorite artists, uh, Sean Murphy, he was heavily influenced by European. He puts a lot of detail, extreme amount of detail. But I don't find any of what Murphy does to be confusing. I don't look at it and think, I can't figure out what this is. is. I do with Reap and some of Reap. I mean, I look at it and I'm just like, I, I, to me, it's beyond me. I don't get it. Do the Europeans do monthly comics or do they do more um, anthology trade paperbacks? I'm not that familiar with it. I know. All I know is, the only thing I can say is because when, mostly when European books are published they're published as anthologies but that um, i don't know because i did and the totally digress i picked up something last year and um i forget what it was exactly i i have to go back and look but disney bought the rights to its story so you know this is me speculating but the first appearance was in um more of a digest as opposed to a floppy I mean, it was um nine ninety nine, like paperback. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was the same size as a floppy, but I mean, it was um, uh, the 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 thicker stock glued uh, spine, and it's it's definitely more of a trade paperback than than a floppy. But it was the first appearance, so that's how the the characters 
appeared and the stories appeared, and it wasn't an anthology. You know, the person that could probably tell us is Justin Ehart, because he collects all those the foreign valiant stuff, and I bet he would know. <laughs> I need, I'll ask him on that when I get a chance. Because if, if anybody knows, he would, that we know. So. Yeah, Rip, Rip is a or Reap. I keep wanting to do Rip, but it's but the correct correct pronunciation is Reap. Uh, I mean, I've really liked Reap stuff. Um, I used to think he was. I I, I want to use the term dirty, but it, dirty's not the right um, the right term. And um, I don't know if anybody if if you have you read the Goddamned from uh, Image. Uh, it's an alternative story for Cain from, uh, no. you know, from biblical times. Uh, but the artist for that, uh, all I know is it's like every time I read that book, I felt like I had to wash my hands afterwards. And that, you know, that's kind of how the, the, the art style is. And Reap would, you know, before that artist, Reap would have been that artist for me. I mean, it's, yeah. it's this, yeah, like you said, it's the, the detail and the subject matter is just you just you just feel like you got to wash your hands after you read it Be, and and i think that's a good thing from his style from what he's trying to convey right. yeah some of it's pretty absurd but again i'll put out just another teaser what josh does towards the end of the book what he does with the guy's spine <laughs> and, and you know and and it's not just a panel or two he does that like at the end of book 5 and he goes all the way through book six and seven with it. Um, right. So, um, exactly. like Black Summer kind of gets you, it, it's got some, you know, some details in it. And I mean, I hate to use the word gore, uh, but um, I mean, there's some stuff in it, and but it primes you for the second half of no hero because once you get the psychedelic drug at well, that point not... on it's like you better be prepared for some for some splash pages and for some panels that are going to be like what the hell all right i don't think it's gore for gore's sake it's not you know it's not uh i mean it it, it moves the story forward but it's it's real it's it's not um edge down or, or um, I'm trying to think of the right phrase for it um, or tone down no, he didn't he didn't uh, you know make anything he, he lays it all out there he's not afraid to and you know and that's what you can do in independent comics that are not part of the mainstream uh, big two three or four and that's you know that's probably you know and that's kind of where you see Ellis do right do all this so um, anyway there is a. We definitely don't want to give away the ending for this. You, I, I highly, re, I highly recommend reading it. No, I think not? it's a good story. Um, do you? Would you give warnings for if you have a for a queasy constitution? No, unless you're, you're really, really disturbed by. You know, you've got a real. Well, it's, it's like we discussed. With, it's not gratuitous. I don't think the average person would have. Everything's there for a purpose. Huh. It moves the story forward. Right. And how the ending is revealed, it's... I did not see it coming. Most most stories, you see the ending coming. No, I this didn't This was totally like, once you got to that panel, it's like, damn. 
and it's yep. you know and for that reason alone i would recommend reading it it's yep, because it's, it just happens so infrequently now with you know comics movies uh tv shows uh books short stories whatever you want to call it uh this 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 kind of and I don't, i'm not going to say it's out of left field because it it makes totally sense and all the it's once you figure out what it is no it's all there leading up to it yeah yeah it's not like he just made something up uh you can you can trace it back into into the story so it, but it's there's a cohesiveness to it. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, you just don't really see it, or I didn't. I mean, it's like, oh, and, and, <laughs> and you know, it's gone off the rail after the whole, um, the whole spine thing. Uh-huh. Well, I, no, no, I'm not gonna. Uh, off the rails, wrong. Off the rails, wrong. Uh, you know, it's gotten yeah. real when the spine thing happens, and it, 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 and you can't think it gets more real, but it gets more real. Yeah, exactly. Yep. There you go. Yes, I did. Um. <sighs> I had a question. You got the individual issues, right? Uh, we were talking about uh, why both of these had a zero yes. through seven. Always had a zero issue, then one through seven. Uh, the cover price is one ninety nine, and then you do get to the next issues are three ninety nine. So the zero issue is thin, is thinner, and is a lower price. Well, that's the difference. I noticed. I counted the zero issues for both of them had eight pages instead of the standard 23 pages for a standard issue and I, then i remembered when i first bought them yeah i think I've got the issue zero for black summer and it was 99 cents and then you got to the regular issue it was 2.99 so yeah they're basically following the basic marketing strategy of give the uh, initial issue of a low low price try to get, bring people in and they'll buy the series at the higher price of course, you know, there's not right. too many nowadays. Ninety nine cent or a dollar ninety nine yeah. uh, comics coming out. No. So I no. Uh, the two series not I many. actually a few here and there. But I not many. think the the no the the story the story behind No Hero is um, if I had to pick between the two, I think it was no it would be No Hero. There are parts of Black Summer I, I like, but No Hero the 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 ending is just this just so impactful and even though we did both of them tonight again they're not in the same universe they're not connected but it's the same writer it's the same artist and the, i don't even think they took a month in between uh when one ended and the next one started yeah it's almost like ellis got the end of it and said i'm, I'm not finished there's something i need to say and, and I didn't it's get- almost like two different perspectives on the superhero genre um and how you know, vigilantes would be uh, viewed yeah. and act in the real world. So you've got one perspective where they're technology based, and you got another perspective where they're drug based. Um, you've both got individuals that have empowered these individuals, and what's that do to their psyche, and what's that do to their outlook on the world? You know, after they've created these groups, they've gotten a little bit of power. Um, would you say there's almost a, a little bit of the theme of absolute power corrupts absolutely? Yes. Especially in No Hero. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. It certainly did Carrick Masterson. And then you kind of find out it's like, no, he does have these ideas on world domination. Oh, another thing I, I struck me, I don't, and maybe on the wraparound covers on the individual issues, it's a picture here, I don't know if it's part of the cover or wraparound, to me it's a direct homage to Watchmen 
it's the it's that white mask that Josh ends up wearing, and it's got a blood stain on it. And you can't look at it without thinking about the smiley face button out of Watchmen with the blood dripped on it. I've got the wrap for issue one, three, four, five, six, and seven. My issue two, my issue two didn't, was not the wrap version. I'll send you a snapshot of this because I think you'll agree with me. When you look at it, you think, "Oh my god, that's like a direct." Okay. You know, yeah, I mean, this was to watch the two thousands and. and um, I think at the time with the the comic shop I was at, I, I just had a straight up subscription pull list, and so you know, you did. I didn't have the previews at the time where I could uh, differentiate between the rap version or this all you know cover B, cover A, cover the rap cover, the one in twenty five incentive, blah blah blah. Of course, I you know I don't think they had those then, right? They, they like the one in twenty fives, the one in fifties, and things. It's just like they 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 had some. Yeah. Two covers, a rap cover, and whatever. Right. Okay. But no, I, I think they're both good reads. Uh, they're a nice break from your typical uh, Caping Cows. They're more your uh, science heroes, your self-made technology ver- slash drug. Uh, again, no radioactive spiders, no aliens, no uh, radioactive chemicals uh, spilled on anybody. Um, they're individuals that decided they wanted to enhance themselves and they took the risk and the repercussions from doing it. And, uh, especially, um, no hero. You kind of see how, you know, governments would react to an, you know, to an independent, um, force that can take on the military or take on the police. Good stuff. I highly recommend. So I agree. So uh, that's been tonight. I mean, this is uh, I been discussing some uh, a series from uh, what would it be eight nine years ago. So I think uh, I think our next episode we're going to delve into yeah uh, a current series, uh, The Damned. I think that's by Oni Press. Um, I think it, as far as I know, there's only been right. two issues out, and this is the not the first limited series, but the second limited series of this uh, storyline. Yes. Uh, Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt, I think. Or, I know Cullen Bunn's the writer. I think Hurt is the author. And as we're recording this, this is July 11th. And the May previews catalog had issue three coming out tomorrow, the 12th. But I looked out today on, on the previews website and it's not. So it's been delayed. So issue three is not coming out. Okay, so uh, yeah, Cullen Bunn's been—he's writing a lot of stuff right now, isn't he? Yeah, he's and got more coming up. Uh, you know, he's got the new—he's uh, got one coming up for Aftershock and uh, coming up, or is it already out? What's he writing for Aftershock? Uh, it's Unholy Grail. I'm not sure that it's out. Yeah, yet. I think the the first issue came out last week because I know I've read it. Okay. And then he's, okay. um, he has some, does he have some Marvel stuff or DC stuff or uh, Dark Horse stuff? I'm going to have to look him up here. I don't, I don't know. I know he's done some in the past, but I don't know if he's doing anything currently. Uh, official web presence. Ooh, I didn't know what he looked like in that. Just, oh, all right. Just popped up on the Google machine. 
Yeah, I have yet to convert over to DuckDuckGo. Uh, let's see. For Oni Press, he's done The Damned, and he did The Sixth Gun. I've heard good things about The Sixth Gun. I did not read that. Uh, Marvel Comics, he's done Immortal Weapons. He did some Deadpool. Uh, Fear Itself. Uh, Captain America. Uh, Spider-Man. Wolverine. Venom. Man, he's done a lot of... Done a lot of Marvel. Moon Knight. Yeah, he's. I, Came I know on, he worked uh, a lot. Some uncanny X Men. Uh, DC's did a Superman, Batman, Sinestro, Lobo, Earth Two, Convergence, Aquaman, Green Lantern. He's done some stuff for Dynamite. I. Uh, he's done some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ooh, Paul like that. Uh, yes. Dark Horse, Harrow County. That's what I was thinking from Dark Horse. He does Harrow County for Dark Horse. He's actually doing. Uh, he did Conan the Slayer, so I did read that. Uh, it's not, so uh, he's a he's he's done a bunch of stuff for a bunch of people. Yeah. Are we going to do be uh, talking about his second Oni Press stuff? And I'm I'm not a big Oni Press reader, so uh, maybe give us a kind of a preview of kind of the stuff that Oni Press does. There's I haven't read much either. There's a, a one they did last year. It was a six issue limited series. It was a 1930s hard kind of crime noir called Angel City. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I know uh, Ronnie Barron wrote read it too and really enjoyed it. So, but that's kind of been the extent of my Oni Press um, experience. Yeah, I think they've only been around since '97. So. Um... Yeah, that's when I kind of was like had to go into the real world to the uh, the workforce and everything. It was kind of, you know, I, I was still doing comics, but I kind of had some other things on my mind at the time. Yes, I yeah, I was kind of similar <laughs> similar situation. Uh, so so anyway, um, so during tonight's podcast, uh. What were you kind of imbibing or, or recommendations for? Well, during the podcast, I was only drinking seltzer. Seltzer. Uh, earlier, I, I earlier I had a blue moon. Uh, I had I had Tex Mex earlier, a big plate of Tex Mex, which I'm impressed I got through this whole podcast without belching, or or just <laughs> got edited out. Yeah, but I had a blue moon earlier, but I was just drinking seltzer. Okay. Yeah. All right, so for my recommendation recommendation tonight, uh, I have been drinking like Maker's Forty Six. I actually think you recommended me that like a couple of months ago. Good bourbon. So uh, it's more of a mid priced. um, I think I got this bottle for forty five, and I guess what makes the Maker's Forty Six is it's like uh, you know kind of like regular Maker's Mark, but then they finish it with oak staves. Yes. So, um, I, and it's a little higher proof. Than yeah, it's a little higher proof. I think proof. it's oh, it's only ninety four proof. I got I got a few. I got a, yeah. I got some stuff here that's about one hundred and ten, one hundred and twenty. Well, that's that's when you get to the okay. Well, you know that's when you get the single barrels when you get to those high proofs. Uh, you know this is you know this is still they're probably you know it's a blend, um, and it's kind of finished a little bit differently. Um, but, but yeah, no, it's good stuff. It's got a, you know, it's uh, got some flavor and it finishes pretty good. So I kind of highly recommend it. Uh, I know for more of a, you know, a mid-level price, 
Uh, I think last time I talked about some of my Weller, which is my go-to. I mean, I can get a bottle of it for like 20 bucks. You get a bottle of Maker's 46 for like 45. Uh, but, you know, it's a good, uh, you know, every other week uh, bourbon. Uh, I guess, you've, you know, I guess our listeners have kind of got a theme. I'm a big bourbon whiskey <laughs> drinker, so uh, I kind of like to talk about it. And, you know, maybe some night we'll kind of get into the intricacies on on how bourbon whiskeys and other other adult beverages are are made because it's kind of fascinating i think right i mean i, I mean it's like the the ancient egyptians were like fermenting beer so it's like what did somebody have to go through to figure out how to make beer and trust me i like i like beer as much as i like bourbon yeah oh yeah oh it takes a variety of beer exactly so um what else we got for tonight? Anything else? We've, we've kind of talked about the That's two it. books. Um, um, we had a great uh, discussion about Batman and some stuff beforehand, but I'm, I'm sorry we didn't record that. But this is an indie, an indie comic podcast, not Batman. He's definitely not independent, unless you count him when he like um, partners up with Elmer Fudd or something. I don't know if that's independent or not. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, but in the future, yeah, we can do... They do it on... Uh... Valiant Central. We can have a, a best of the rest after dark. Uh, but, but you know the strange thing is that whole Batman. I, I totally ignored the Looney Tunes stuff and all that. But that Batman Elmer Fudd is like going for like the like the day after it came out, it was going for like for fifteen twenty dollars an issue. Everybody uh, like jumped onto it, and I'm like, it's Elmer Fudd. It's Batman. It's one of those things. It's it's fifteen dollars now, but what's it going to be six a year? From now? Well, I don't. Well, those, I don't know. It's like, did you get a copy of it? No, well, exactly. I didn't. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. I don't think many people did. So, and, and I guess we're now getting a speculator talk. I don't think that many comic shops ordered it. So, I don't know if it's actually going to. I don't think it's actually going to go down. It may not. It may not. I did get the second printing of Batman Twenty Four. Uh, the oh. color where he's actually saying "Marry me." Yeah, not the black yeah, and white. I, I think the black and white's probably got to be the more expensive. I think that's the third printing. I've actually been looking for it. That's the yeah, third printing. I've actually, I've actually gone out and got the second printing also. Uh, last year, I didn't speculate that much. This year, I've gone a little bit more speculating. Uh, I think we talked about it some a little bit more. Oh, I don't know if it was this uh, podcast or another one where we kind of talked about it, but uh, listening to people talk, and just to give it out there, a lot of shops are not ordering the cover B's of the DC rebirth titles. So right. those may be, uh, you know, this is, this is a spec out there. Those may be in a few years, um, you know, kind of go up in value. And some of them, I think the, the cover B's are, are much better, uh, covers. Did you get the detective, uh, last week or the week before the poison Ivy cover for detective? Uh, I think it was the first uh, issue of the War of Jokes and Riddles. Yeah, I haven't gotten it yet because I ordered it through DCBS, but yeah, I did. Yeah, so the, it, so the cover B is the Poison Ivy, and that's like the... Uh, the cover A is awesome, too, because I think it's the uh, the picture of the Joker. The Riddler putting the Joker, uh, a picture of the Joker together, but it's puzzle pieces. And it's not all complete. Right. Um, but do you know how to tell the difference between a cover A and a cover B on the DC Rebirth? I did not know this till a week ago. Uh, and just for the listeners out there, and I guess we're getting into kind of some rebirthically stuff. 
Cover Bs do not have the name of the arc in the top of the comic. The cover A will have the name of the arc. The cover B will not. Okay. Didn't, did I did not, not know that. that either. I had no idea how to tell the differences until somebody pointed it out to me. My, my LCS uh, guy pointed it out to me. But given that most of the shops now, now that you're like a year in the rebirth, they're probably ordering more of the cover A's, if any B's at all. And so B's yeah. are going to have a lower... I don't know if DC prints based on orders or not, but I think there's fewer of the B's out there. And so I've kind of converted over to where I'm only getting B covers on stuff, unless the A cover just totally blows me away. Well, I know when Rebirth first started back June of last year, you know, in a lot of the titles they were doing an actual Rebirth issue before they started with number one. And on most of those, they did a variant cover and on the variant covers, it only showed the character on a white background. Yes. There was no detail yep. on it. And that's what I got on most of those. I got, I got the, that cover cap, the copy I wanted was the one with just the character on the white background instead of the regular cover. And I haven't seen them do that anymore. I think it was just mostly right at the launch of Rebirth. But, but I will say, um, DC... I think they're killing it on covers right now. I just, there's just so many of the covers. I, I don't buy uh, Harlequin, but last week uh, the Harlequin cover B uh, had Poison Ivy and it was a Frank Cho. It had Poison Ivy and Harlequin on it. In the background, it had, I think, the how to do the Batusi. And if you and they had a, and they were dancing to the radio and it said na 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 Batman. So I think it was a tip of the hat to Adam West last week. Yeah, well, he did the Batusi in one of those exactly. Episodes. So yeah. so they're so you've got the the steps to the Batusi. You've got Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy doing it, and then you've got the radios doing it out. So it was just a fitting. It is a fitting tribute to Adam West, and I. I, I don't buy Harlequin, but I did get that cover. I mean, it was Frank Cho, and it was all that, and it was great. Now, I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it to kind of got look at it because uh, it's a it's a great cover. And the cover B, the the detective, or no, to uh, Batman uh, with Har with uh, Poison Ivy, that was a great cover. Uh, Superman's been killing it on the covers. Super Sons has been killing it on the covers. Some of the others, not so much, but. Uh, if you you know kind of a kind of a spec out there the the DC um, cover Bs I think they're easier to get than you know your Marvel or your Valiant or your other one in twenty fives one in fifties and 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 the others like that and 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 they're just it, they just look great it, they're iconic yeah. characters huh. and they just look awesome they do and uh, and another spec tip. Uh, and again, it's another DC. I, I hate to be so DC centric, uh, but any of the early New Fifty Twos, where they had the they were polybagged, or they had the uh, this. I think this is when the digitals were first coming out. They were, you know, that's a different variant cover. You know, if you want to call it variant cover, where they comment about having the digital covers. I mean, those are some low print runs on the early new 52s 
where they were talking about having the digital combo with the comics. Right. So it uh, depends on if you can, if you can, you know, it's the same cover. It's just like maybe it's got digital combo on the cover or it's got, um, you know, the top corner or something, a different color and it says digital combo. Uh, you're seeing a lot of, you know, you're seeing those kind of go up in prices and stuff. It's kind of like you're seeing some stuff from the 80s and the 90s, uh, the new stand editions. Yeah. Speaking of which, I have... I need I need I got to go back and check on that Batman 457 uh, second print newsstand see um see what the condition of that is. Yep. I was, was going to ask you if there's been any uh headway I on don't that. have it yet, but it's in my sights. Good. I, I think uh, you'll have it one day. You'll have it. Uh, maybe. I, I, I still I still want to find it in a dollar <laughs> box somewhere. Well, yeah, of course. Who wouldn't? But uh, it may be, it may find it there. You may somebody somewhere's got it, and they don't know what they've got. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I don't know. I you know, there's only 13 of them known out there. That's and true. Us talking about it just makes more people aware of it. Yes, for our <laughs> tens of thousands of listeners to this podcast. <laughs> oh, come on! We're going to surpass everybody. We are. Uh, there's no question of that. I mean, that's that's foregone conclusion. But, uh, I mean, we got the best topics. We got the best host. Um, we just we just have a, a style that just invites you to just like keep on listening over and over and over again. I mean, you can listen. To, you're going to listen to this episode, and you're going to just like end it and just start it over again because you just enjoyed it so much. Oh, uh, so what else you got for tonight, Jay? Anything else? That would be all. That would be all. All right. So, um, again, this is uh, Best of the Rest. We thank you for listening. Hey, there you go. All right. Take care. That wasn't terrible. That was pathetic. Boom. Nerdy Legion.